93.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Oh, Trent Condon. Four. This is Miller & Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon here on a Wednesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller talking sports with you for the next couple of hours. Appreciate you spending some of your time here with us. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Uh, with Iowa and Iowa State both uh, having their football press conferences yesterday, we will recap them uh, here this morning. David Eichold, first off, uh, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network umbrella. David Eichold will opine on what uh, some of the players had to say, what Kirk Ferentz had to say, and so will we, by the way, getting uh, coming up here in the next minute or two on that. But David David Eicholt at the bottom of the hour starts it off. From there, we'll head to Ames with our friend Dave Sproul from KASI 1430 on the AM dial. It's our sister station in Ames. Of course, Dave is also a part of the uh, Learfield Iowa State football broadcast team. He'll join us at 1045, uh, 1145. It's coming, but it's just taking a little longer than I thought. Um, 12.05, David Kaplan will be here in his regular spot. We'll head to Chicago uh, with Cappy. Check in on things in the Windy City. Cubs, White Sox, Bears, a lot of Bears uh, talk uh, following their win, impressive win on Monday night. And then Nick Athen. Normally, Mitch Holtis joins us. It's Chiefs conversation uh, in that time slot, but Mitch is off due to the Chiefs being off. I thought we'd recap where the Chiefs are at as they head into their bye week. Uh, Trends Plays of the Day, Circus Sports Sponsors. It's coming up just before we get out of here at 1. He had a good day yesterday. Mm-hmm. NBA, Trent, you've always been a strong NBA well, put better. I mean, when people think of handicapping me, it's all about well, the NBA. Yeah, I mean. They can't wait till the season gets here. They know if you've had a bad year, well, Condon gets hot in the yes, NBA. Uh, well, it's a different kind of basketball that usually is my hot spot. And that's coming. It is. And that's coming sooner I've been or later. perusing those conference odds already. Have taking you? Taking a couple of looks at some different things. Have Are you fire. betting futures? Oh, you, you've, you've pulled me in. You, can't, you just can't bet the, beat the price, right? You, you get your hooks in me, yes. and now I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm adding love things. love to play them. It's fun. It is. You're, you're invested the whole season long. Yes. And the way the odds change, you know, last week there was one – and our TV show, you can see on Mediacom MC22, Inside the Numbers, we talk gambling the whole time on the show. And you had a bet on Cincinnati. You know, before the season, I was not invested in the Bengals at all. Nope. In fact, I bet them not to even make the playoffs. And I saw you got them at 30-1, to 1, mm-hmm. and I said, boy, that's one. So I jumped aboard with you on that one. Mm-hmm. It's just those prices, finding them at the right time. And they're the down to 22-1 to one now. And, and that's the yeah. part of it. San Francisco coming off a loss. If you do believe that mm-hmm. San Francisco ultimately is going to get healthy and figure it out, the time to bet them is now. Don't wait until they no, get hot. No. You have to do it yeah. during the downturns. It's, it's not fun. It's a little bit scary, and at times feels like you're wasting money, and at times you do. But ultimately, we talked about Houston so early in the season, mm-hmm. and we both invested in that. And I now I'm at 12-1. to 1. It's... It's not free money because he's still got a series in front of him. And you. I think it's going to be more difficult than every, but the rest of America believes it you is. You do. I just, there's something about this Phillies team. They got that, 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 what do you call it, fairy dust sprinkled on them. You know, there's just something about them. Astros haven't lost a game. No, I know. <laughs> They're really, really good. Um, I don't know. It kind of feels to me Super Bowl 32. 
Packers going for back to back. Broncos can't beat them. Double digit dog. And there's just something about it. I kind of have that same feeling. We'll see. Uh, but we get, let's save that and shelve that. Mm-hmm. But futures are fun. I, I love betting them. Uh, let's talk about, I got to give Ferentz credit because Kirk Ferentz did something yesterday, Trent, that there are few people, um, in today's world, world, that can do what Ferentz did yesterday. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Yesterday, well, I uh, talked a lot of standard Kirk press conference. Uh-huh. Of course, the big conversation was about him going out and, and going after Doug Lesmarie from Is that uh, how you pronounce it? from Cleveland.com and the Plain yep. Dealer. What did he do? He, I think, has most of the public on the media side. <laughs> it's an environment that's Everybody changed. hates the media. Yep, Everybody. Yep, yep. Fake news. Mm-hmm. Fire Randy Peterson. It's time to go to pasture. Mm-hmm. Chad Leistico knows nothing. That Nobody asks hard questions. Dot, dot, dot. Right? We're public enemy number one. I, I, <laughs> comes with terror. Yeah, it's not fine. you and I, but the media in general. What Kirk Ferentz said yesterday was completely out of line. You can think that at the dinner table mm-hmm. with Mary. That at least I make an X and, and I'm the football coach at the University of Iowa and this poor schleps, um, you know, in in an in industry that's shrinking uh, by the day. There's layoffs, may not be able to feed his family, keep a roof over his head, but at least I'm not that poor SOB. Um, what a tone deaf statement. A, obviously the column got to Ference that two days later, three days later, yep. it was still bugging him. But for him to have the public... Um, on Doug, say his last name, Mary, Le Marie, uh, side and lining up against Kirk Ferentz is something you just don't see ever in anything. And Ferentz managed to do it, so hats off to it. But can you imagine, and I'm assuming um, if the public relations firm, Wickstead, uh, their local, West Des Moines, I think, if they follow um, Ferentz to the road games like they did in Columbus this past weekend, I'm assuming they were on the sidelines at that press conference yesterday. Can you imagine what they were thinking when he uttered those words? What a tone-deaf, classless statement. And that's what it was. He starts by applauding his team for handling the questions the right way, and then he switched it to being interrogated and then played the card that he did. Just terrible. Pressure's getting to Kirk Ferentz, and it should. Arrogance, pettiness, both vindictiveness. Ooh, good one. They're all there with Kirk Ferentz. Mm -hmm. All of his bad qualities, and we know he's petty. Go back to the Minnesota game. We'll leave the timeouts there and we'll take the thing. Now, that was good. Because you're winning games, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. Phil Fleck, he's kind of a puke, and all right, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Because you're winning football games. Mm-hmm. You can be petty. Mm-hmm. The fan base will get behind that. Yep. When and they lose, did. And when you're losing football games, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. When you're making now certainly the media, people are defending the media, as you said, that is a difficult, difficult thing Never to do. Never happens. Absolutely not. Not in today's environment. Never. That is not what you uh-huh. get. Kirk Ferentz, listen to Chad and Chad Lysico along with Kennington Smith. They had a podcast yesterday after, and they just said how uncomfortable it was. They're calling yesterday or the or yesterday, Saturday yesterday. Uh-huh. How uncomfortable is you are talking to the media, right? You are talking to the beat writers, mm-hmm. and you are talking down to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the arrogance that comes from Kirk Ferentz, and the arrogance not just in that statement, but what we're seeing right now. Yeah. We're just going to keep doing what we do. No, you have I the know. worst offense in the country. Yep. I don't know if you heard they won ten games last year. Oh, I didn't hear yeah. that. When did they did? Huh? Kirk did had we? to mention that, of course, after David Eichel asked him uh-huh. the difficult question: 
It wasn't even difficult. No. Would you be willing? You know what the answer is going to be. Yes, he's not right. going to make a coaching change in the season. And do you know the criticism that the industry would have taken if they don't ask that question? Absolutely. Yet they do it in a way that is professional. Go back and listen to the back and forth between Doug LeMarie mm-hmm. and Kirk Ferentz. It wasn't mean. It wasn't mean-spirited. They fair questions. They were fair questions. And it was the end of the press conference. Uh-huh. He wanted to get the questions in. So we asked him kind of back to back to back. That's what you have to do because he knew he was going to be cut off eventually. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's what happened with Wickstead and company yeah. as they cut things off when things were getting uncomfortable. This is a terrible look for Kirk Ferris. Terrible. And these negative qualities that have always been there, they are coming mm-hmm. to the forefront. He feels so out of touch, so old, so vindictive. You have all these elements working together. And can you pull out of it? <laughs> I don't know. He, he has a relations team that goes on the road with him. Right. And the last two press conferences, he's been an a-hole mm-hmm. to the media. Mm-hmm. He, he's continuing to do this time in and time out mm-hmm. and looking terrible while he's doing it. I don't know if you can pull out of this. I don't either. I thought I thought he crossed the line. Look, you can take shots at the media. You you can. But oh, when, when you when you play his, uh, at least I'm not him card. At least I've got this job and and I don't have his job type of thing. That that to me was just it was a bridge too far. It was completely tone deaf. You're making seven million, whatever it is a year, and the results don't uh, don't warrant that type of pay. Now. Previous, they do. I mean, you're rewarded contract-wise for what you have done, and it's been there up until this year. There's been missteps. What were what were the uh, the Doughboys? Was that what they were? Yes, um, yeah. Dominique Douglas and company. Yeah, there was there there was sexual assault stuff that was handled really poorly, especially. You know, this is 2022 that it never would have got to this point in the past. There was the whole Rabdo staying out on the road with Mike Ginn's dad while a bunch of your players are lying in hospital. That was a terrible look. Uh, I the Brian Ferentz living in the in the uh, Section uh, Eight housing didn't bother me because if I, where would I want to live if I was a player? I'd want to live with my friends, mm-hmm. right? I would, and I think everybody would. But okay, you want to put that in there? I don't. You guys can, but this on top of it all, the body of work. The career that he has put together, it was trending towards statue. Mm-hmm. It really was. Yes. And no one would have batted an eye because it, this, this is one that we don't think would have ever had to come down, right? Yeah. You know, something happens that years later that this is the kind of, this is where he, where he was trending. There's Gable. Yeah, there was Fry. Didn't mm-hmm. end well. But Kirk, you were, you were, your legacy, you, you were Teflon Don, right? Everything fell off of you. That's not the case anymore. This is this is a bad period of time he's going through. And he, and he alone, made it worse yesterday. He absolutely did. You couple that with what is happening with his son, the nepotism angle that continues. Because ultimately, people are ripping on his son. Mm-hmm. And you can understand where some of this pettiness is coming from mm-hmm. and how you become vindictive yeah. when that is happening and people are calling out your son because... You have the worst offense in right. the country. But you should have seen this when you hired your son. Absolutely. That this is the way it goes. There That's may why. be times where you have to, as tough as it is, agree with them at you know, at going against your kid. But he won't. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable right now. And a hard decision needs to be made. Uh-huh. Kirk can't do it. No. We see what family Brian means to Brian has him. to. Because I'm not sure Barta can. Bart it's said as much in Cleveland on Saturday. Well, it depends on what Kirk. Like, has what to does say. Kurt want to say? Yeah. We'll we'll talk after the season. We'll get to, um, and Kirk will make those decisions. He's been there in the past. I don't think, and I, and I see a lot of this. 
He's been here before, and he's righted the ship, and they've dot, dot, dot had the result. And yes, he has. And I, for one, am glad. He, I, I like Kirk. I the misstep been there a long time, right? High profile, high pressure job. Uh, all of these sports eyes in the state are on you. Everybody knows you. It is the highest paid spot in the state, coaching-wise. That's not what it's about. It's not about salary. It just goes with the territory. The times when they're bad, you're going to have to stand and face the music. And it's not going well. This is the problem in college football and college sports in general. When we put these guys on this pedestal and they have the God complex Mm -hmm. that they have. This doesn't happen in the NFL. No. Even Bill Belichick. He has to answer questions. Yeah. Now, he doesn't respond to them well, as no. we know. No. But the questions are there, and they're going to be asked time in and time out. Kirk is upset because he's being asked tough questions. Mm-hmm. Think of that. I know. That is what he is upset about. Not that he has the worst offense in the country. He's not upset about that. Nope. He's nope. all well and good. We just keep working, right? Keep grinding away. He's not upset about having the worst offense, doubling down on the worst quarterback in Power 5. He is not upset about that. He's upset because people are asking yep. tough questions. How asinine is that? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's that's ridiculous. where we are. I know. Uh, let's get Jeff in here. Jeff, thanks for being patient. Welcome to the program, Jeff. How are you? Good. Um, I just first want to say I'm not a Hawkeye fan, but um, listening to you guys talk and hearing uh, you know other people kind of say stuff about Kirk Ferentz, I, maybe I'm missing the point, but this is just my point of view. Kirk Ferentz is... I don't know, maybe the best football coach Iowa's ever had in their history. Kirk Ferentz has donated millions of dollars. All true. The hospital yep. right across the stadium. Absolutely you know? true. Absolutely Kirk, true. Kirk Ferentz has got Iowa, in the, and I'm talking in the past, two BCS games and have won mm-hmm. a BCS. I was there. Yep, Kirk he Ferentz, does. Kirk Ferentz has took this program when it, was, when it was at the bottom with Hayden Fry to places it's never been. Yep. Kirk Ferentz is unbelievable for this program. Now, I am a coach. I'm not a coach at that level, but I can see the pressure he has. Mm-hmm. I can see how this is getting to him. But let's let's put it in perspective, guys. Kirk Ferentz is great for the state of Iowa, and he's and he's not a coach that has put his hands on a player. He's not a coach that has. Well, you know, don't no, I agree with that. But don't forget, they're still going through that uh, that racism lawsuit that that is still it still lingers out there, and it's been going on for a couple of years. He's had missteps, Jess, and everything you've said, Jeff, I couldn't agree with you more. I have loved being on the radio during the Kirk Ferentz era. I really have, because as you said, it was god awful when Fry left. It took a while, but he turned the corner for the first time at the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio, and that just shot upward. Have there been downturns? Yes, but he's been able to right the ship. But the pressure getting to him, and I'm not sure if Brian Ferentz, his son, wasn't his offensive coordinator. In fact, I am sure that we wouldn't be as critical as we are here today and this season as we are because he put himself in this spot. He had to have known if things don't go well, people are going to look at my boy. And I. this is my son, my blood. And for me to come and defend him, you can only do so much of that. And I'm willing to... Go ahead, Jeff. Go, go ahead, Trent. Okay, tr- real quick, Trent. I just have a question for you. So let's say, let's say the parents, both of them leave, hypothetically. And I don't see them both leaving. I could see Brian going to the NFL or wherever he wants to go, and I think that'd be great for the program. But let's say Kirk does leave. Who, we, who I say we, who are we getting here? Like, who's going to come to I, – I mean, what else do we want – than a Kirk Ferentz that most likely, in most years, get a 7-8 win, go to a bowl, yeah. and, and – 
Who, who, who are they getting, Trent? Well, it, you know, I don't think it matters about that necessarily because they may not, whoever they get might not work. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, a, it's a Big Ten job. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's one of the top 25 programs absolutely. in the country. It is. I mean, there's the With SEC fan, and the Big Ten. Fan and, investment, yep. the, the amount of money that's coming in, you have a very good You'll job You'll get a here. young head coach that is going to completely change the way the offense is run over there. You're going to bring your offense into this decade um, in this century, which clearly has not moved to this Are we point. sure that Brett Bielema wouldn't say yes to coming home? Are we sure that Mark Stoops wouldn't say yes to coming home? Are we sure that Chris Kleiman wouldn't say yes to coming home? All guys with Iowa ties, either mm-hmm. University of Iowa or being from the state. And those are three coaches just off the top of my head. Are we sure that those three guys are willing to say, nope, we're good here because of the upside of the Iowa program? Appreciate the call, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. You know, another part about this, I am absolutely, because of Kirk and what he has built and what he has done, And he has proven in the past that he can rebuild, that Mm -hmm. he can adjust on the fly. I am absolutely 100% willing to give him the benefit of the doubt after a bad season to do the change. If he makes the change. But that is the caveat. That is the big if, because this is not getting rid of Ken O'Keefe. This is not getting rid of Greg Davis. This is getting rid of his son. And I don't believe that Kirk is willing to do that. I don't believe that Kirk will be strong enough to make that decision, mm-hmm. to really mm-hmm. look in the mirror and say, this needs to change, and I need to be hands-off, and we need to evolve past the zone-blocking scheme because it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work as the blocking rules have changed. You can't do it So he anymore. needs two changes, Trent, is what I'm hearing you say. He needs to change the coordinator, but he needs to change his willingness to incorporate a brand-new offense. Yes. Like, a, I'm not... The, <laughs> I want to stop. I was about to say Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur. Offensive guys that have that have brought football into this decade as to how we're playing offense now. But a young up-and-comer like that, mm-hmm. that that has an offensive philosophy akin to those two guys that I mentioned, some of the young offensive-minded head coaches in, in football, bring that in. Will he do that? Or will he insist on doing it the Iowa way, the way we we don't need a mobile quarterback? We I don't play think in the can, Big Ten. Yeah, I don't think you can pull yourself out of it if that's the case. If it's a case where you need to do it my way, we this is how we play, mm-hmm. and this is the way that it has to be done. You can still be a physical football team and run out of shotgun. Look at Illinois. Yeah. How often do they run out of shotgun? In fact, a majority of their plays, I think I, I saw last week, it was like 72% of their plays are out of shotgun. You think Illinois is not physical? <laughs> it's because they clap to snap the ball as opposed right. to having a hard signal like you did in the past. You can evolve. Brett Bielema, he's evolved. Uh-huh. He's got Illinois in the top 15. He Illinois. Does. He does. Kirk Ferentz, if he's willing to evolve and adapt, yeah. absolutely. It can happen. Kirk has proven that he can do it. I just don't believe at 67 he's willing to do it. I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think he's got another um, reboot in him. And this was a tough day. This was a bad day yesterday for Kirk Ferentz and for the Iowa program. It really was. It was embarrassing what he said, the way that he said it. And, you know, I, I kind of feel sitting here that, oh, you media guys always stick up for the media. No, this is not white knighting that's, the media. No, that's no. not it. I mean, he called out his profession. He's making $7 million. This guy might be making, I don't know, is he making seventy five grand? I have no idea right. what he makes. But he's in, he's in an industry now that, this just in, newspapers are shrinking. I could be that guy. Yeah. What arrogance. Hey, you know, I got up in the morning, and at least I'm not him. Say that to Mary. Say that when Phil and a couple of guys in your staff are sitting in your office and you're BS. Don't put a certain tie on and get in front of the cameras and say that. Terrible look. Tone deaf. Completely tone deaf. We didn't talk about Iowa State, but you know what? 
I think Clone fans are happy that we're because <laughs> uh, I want to talk. They're in a pickle themselves. They are. They've got to find a way to win six games. And I thought Matt Tony- Campbell had a bad press conference yesterday. Well, you know, special teams. Uh, we everybody works on it. Mm-hmm. We've done it for seven years and it hasn't worked. No, look at the numbers the last three years. They're trending in the wrong direction. There is seldom a Monday that Trent and I, and I'm guessing the rest of the local shows as well, don't reconvene on Monday and talk about. Oh my God, can you believe? Even another specialty. When is Campbell finally going to wake up? Dot, dot, dot. Kirk Jr.? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's time for another $1,000 handoff. Head to KXNO right now. Once you get there, enter the keyword money. Money at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000. One of the... I guess, uh, focal points of Kirk's angst over the last couple of weeks has been David Eicholt. He will join us next. He asked the question, did he not yesterday? That sound that was captured from Ferentz, I think that came from Eicholt's Twitter feed. It came from his Twitter feed. The question was asked by Kennington Smith. Oh, was it? He was the one that Credit asked the question. Credit where it is due. Thank you. But yeah, David had the camera rolling and tweeted it out. And the national media got a hold of it. Yeah, it's it's approaching what four hundred thousand views or something crazy like that. But uh, again, Ference did something that is uh, seldom seen uh, in the in this time, and that's getting the fan base and the public to agree with the media to side with the media. That's unheard of. Miller and Condon. It's Des Moines Sports Station one hundred six point three. Which home selling team? Now back to Miller and Condon on one hundred six point three KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. 11.30, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Iowa's 2023 Big Ten schedule has been released. David Eichel momentarily will bring that up with uh, David uh, in 15 minutes or thereabouts. Dave Sproul getting to Iowa State. They did have uh, press opportunities yesterday. Matt Campbell, a couple of the players. So we'll recap that with uh, Dave Sproul coming up here. And then in the 12 o'clock hour, David Kaplan off to Chicago. We shall go. David Eichel joins us. David Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. Uh, another eventful press conference yesterday. Got to applaud Ferris. He did something very few people have been able to do in today's uh, day age uh, and that's to get the public to side with the media when it comes to anything quite frankly uh, and Ference's tone-deaf remarks seemingly has the public uh, pointing fingers at the coach as you cross the line uh, so I got to applaud Ference for, for for doing that hey I appreciate you guys having me on yeah it was definitely an interesting comment and you know the thing is I think it's very clear that Kirk wanted to make that a point of emphasis because the question by Kennington Lloyd Smith of Hawk Central Des Moines Register, it had nothing to do with that. He basically asked Kirk about, you know, the players said that's going to be more player-led turnaround. What was their response uh, over the next couple of days? And Kirk basically just said, yeah, I compliment them on Sunday because it's not easy to stand up in front of the media and answer tough questions with class. And then Kirk basically just said, you know, it dawned on me coming back after basically being interrogated that my life could be worse. I could be that guy. Uh, I believe that was to the Cleveland.com columnist there. And, you know, I actually thought Kirk was having a pretty good press conference behind that, and I actually thought he gave a good second half the answer. But, man, it's been a very telling few weeks, I think, uh, for Kirk Ferentz. Certainly remarks I think he would like to have back. But just I'll say tone deaf, and if it, if it was an attempt at humor, when you have the dead last offense in the country, you can't even remotely afford to take those sort of chances. But, you know, at the same time, you have a $42 million buyout. It, uh, it kind of speaks for itself. 
you know, baffling that he's more upset about being asked tough questions as opposed to having the worst offense in the country, yet here we are. Kirk has dug himself out of bad spots before. We have seen this program be able to come back both in season and after bad seasons, and he's done that multitude of different times. But is it different because Brian, the job that he has as offensive coordinator, being on that staff, do you think that makes this different for Kirk Ferentz? I'll say no, and I'm all, and here's why. I think Brian obviously deserves some criticism for his play calling. But let's keep in mind, this is Kirk Ferentz's offense. This is Kirk Ferentz's system. I don't think that Brian would be playing this system if it was completely up to him. So this is a deeper problem. And, you know, I wrote a column after the Ohio State game where I think Kirk Ferentz's legacy is intact. You know, at the end of the day, he's going to have a statue outside Connect Stadium, well-deserved. But at the same time, in terms of strictly on-the-field performance, this offseason is going to be the most telling and the most critical mm-hmm. offseason he's ever had as coach because with NIL, with the transfer portal, he basically has to re-recruit his own team. He's going to have to make coaching changes. I don't want to speculate on who, and it's not my position to. And you know what? I don't have to because I'm not the one that has to make the decision. But given all of the climate of the ever-changing landscape of college football, whatever Kirk Ferentz does this offseason is going to directly dictate how Iowa is in the long-term future. There's one more year in divisional play, and then guess what? You have USC, UCLA coming to Big Ten, the 12-team the playoff coming in the next few years. This is going to be an incredibly critical offseason, not just for Kirk Ferentz's legacy, but for the long-term future of Iowa Hawkeye football. Hmm. What about Kane Proctor? Um how firm is his? I mean, you have to believe that there's still coaches, uh, schools reaching out to him uh, that are, are pointing out just you know the the direction that the football program is going. Again, the offense is the worst there is in college football. Proctor's a five star. He's a guy that you know that that could have gone anywhere, as you well know, as, as close as you recover it. How, how firm is his commitment? Do you think? Yeah, I don't think Iowa fans have anything to worry about right now. I think that Alabama is still pushing, but, you know, we, based on our intel, Kane Proctor is not going to go to Alabama. He's all in on Iowa. I would give it a 95 to 98% chance he signs with Iowa. I mean, I don't want to go 100% because I've seen too many crazy recruiting stories, but he is a very firm commitment to this staff and to this program. And, you know, when you look at the NFL, which is where he wants to get to, I mean, Tyler Linderbaum's going to be one of the best no, you're right. in the next two years, yep. I think. Tristan Wirfs is the best tackle in football, in my opinion. He's got earned a huge contract in his next deal. You know, Brandon Scherf, Marshall Yonder, you mm-hmm. can go down the list. Yep. And on top of that, Kane Proctor has to be salivating watching this Iowa offensive line because with him early enrolling in January, I'm going to be surprised if he doesn't start at tackle week one of the season. I think he, he's going to walk in. I think he's going to make an immediate impact. I think after going through spring football, understanding – you know, how the offense operates, and, you know, hopefully we'll see some changes there in the offseason. But Kit Connor, Colby, back to offensive guard, keep Mason Richmond at tackle, and then line up Ken Proctor at tackle. It would surprise me if he does not sign with Iowa, given all of those sort of things. You talk about those guys that have gone through and individual pieces have been really good, but they haven't had a good offensive line in a very, very long time. Even the 2015 team that won the Joe Moore Award, Offensive line rank at Football Outsiders was 57th in the country that year, and they still brought home that award. So that was a lifetime achievement. That, that it was, it was. Yeah. and obviously <laughs> Kirk's connection to Joe Moore absolutely was a big, big part of that. So looking forward, looking to that off season, be it with a bowl game or without a bowl game, is Kirk willing at this point to make real changes on the offense? Mentioning the offensive line, 
The zone blocking scheme does not work in today's college football environment. You can't cut block anymore. And Kirk can complain about it, and we've heard him do that plenty of times. It's not going to change. You can't do it, and I don't believe you can, at the same level, play this style of football. Kirk, is he willing to look at that and say, we have to find a new way? You can still be physical. Illinois is physical. They run out of the shotgun 72% of the time. Can Kirk, is he able to adapt at that level, or are we just stuck with this? And this is Kirk's way, and at 67, and with $42 million owed, you're just going to have to grin and bite it. I think that's going to be the question of the offseason, Trent. I mean, I, I think there's two different ways to look at it. One is if the question, okay, let me rephrase that. Well, the way I always start off with when I'm thinking about this, and I've thought about this question a lot, if Iowa wins out or wins four of the final five games, does Kirk Ferentz make a coaching change or a schematic change? In my opinion, is no. <laughs> because he always talks about we want to finish the season on a high note. We want to play our best football in November. And if that happens, they play their best football in November. And, you know, we've talked about on this show a couple of times, if you really evaluated things at the end of the season, there would have been more changes to the offense last year after ranking 121st mm-hmm. in the country. Yep. So I think that I don't want to say it's a pipe dream. I know Kirk's kind of rebooted some things before and changed some things, but I don't think he's had this. I don't think he's ever really had a big overhaul on how Iowa plays football. So, I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't think it's impossible because if you look at the other programs around the country, a lot of the older coaches who are still around, what's the big key behind that? It's they adapt, and that's kept them from being a, being a great coach instead of just a really good coach. And I think at this point, unless Kirk Ferentz changes things, he's only going to be a really, really good football coach, not a great one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough as you get older to change. You're so set in your ways that it's, it's worked this way this far. Why should I change it now? Going to be a fascinating offseason. Well, into the next season they go. We now have the schedule uh, in front of us. Uh, and as a reminder, there are zero tickets available after we got to Labor Day and every single one of those home games this year was sold out. Home slate next year is Penn State, uh, I beg your pardon, Michigan State's the first Big Ten game, September 30. Purdue follows them in the next week. Then they go to Wisconsin. Minnesota comes here 21st of October. Final week of October is a bye week. They finish up with 4 November at Northwestern, home to Rutgers, home to Illinois, before heading to Lincoln. Sold out every game this year, David Eicholt. You care to make a guesstimate as to what percentage of those fans will renew their tickets if there is no change? Would it be 60%? I think that's a tough sell. I really do. And I'm curious, well, obviously, what the ticket prices will be next year as well. But, you know, given everything that's sort of gone on this season, I mean, I've said Gary Barta has got to be so happy and thanking his lucky stars that Iowa sold out every home game before the season at this point because I'm very curious what the number is going to look like this weekend against Northwestern. Yes, every seat sold, but how many butts are going to be in seats? And I think that's going to be the real key. You know, to head into next season. It's going to also depend on the hires that Iowa makes, if Iowa attacks the transfer portal. And I think that's, again, that's going to be the big offseason key. If Iowa goes in, lands a quarterback, I think they need multiple wide receivers as well if they make a coaching change, if we see some schematic changes. I think Iowa fans will show out. But if we don't hear anything, we don't see anything in spring football that includes change, I think that's 60. If I was a betting man, I think that 60% would be a very good over under. And right now, I take the under. Yeah. 
David Eichold, HawkeyeInsider.com. David, want you to know you always have a home here with us. We always got a spot for you. No cancellations, anything like that. Love having you on the radio. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Take care. Have a good rest of your week. Yeah, thank you, David. Thanks for coming in. Uh, David Eichold, Hawkeye Insider. Interesting way to change, to uh, finish the piece there, Trent. What do you know? Uh, it's, uh, I, well, I know who's going to join us next. Yes. David Sprowell. Uh, it's a David to, Power Hour here. David, and it kicks off the next hour as well with, with another the David. Yes. Back to back to back Davids. How about that? Only here. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Well, memory sent you. Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Our second of three Daves is about to join us. He's Dave Sproul, 1430 KSI. Learfield, part of the uh, football broadcast team. Uh, it is Iowa State and Oklahoma. FS1 has it television-wise. Uh, the Iowa State Radio Network you, kicks off at 11. That means, Dave Sproul, you guys take the airwaves at 9.30. 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. One of these weeks, I'll get it right. Well, good to have you back, and good to have Iowa State back playing this week. We missed them last week, and uh, they go into their bye uh, still looking for their first win in the Big 12, which is a head-scratcher to me. The games have all been close. Uh, but to look at they're running out of games in order to get the postseason, but there seems to be uh, at least a path. Look, protect the, protect the home field, and they're headed to postseason, Dave Sprout. Yeah, I think that's the best opportunity, certainly for Iowa State to, to get to a bowl game because when you look at Oklahoma coming up this week, it's not, you know, the powerhouse and they're not even ranked, uh, which is really odd. It's the first time I, I look, just looked it up. First time since 1999, Oklahoma and Iowa State will play with Oklahoma unranked. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, West Virginia coming up in a, a, you know, next Saturday. That's a very, very winnable game, especially at home. Same with Texas Tech at home. Those games just seem to work out differently and Jack Trice than they do on the road. So those are your best opportunities to win. No guarantees there by any stretch, and maybe Iowa State can pull off an upset against Oklahoma State or TCU. I don't think those teams are unbeatable either, uh, but obviously, you know, the Cyclones got to find that next gear in offense if they want to get to the postseason. Coming off a of bye week, you always want to be healthy, and listening to Matt Campbell yesterday certainly was happy where they are health-wise coming back. Felt like as healthy as they've been since going back to August camp. So that's certainly a positive. What else with the bye week? What else was worked on? What was the other conversations about this team as they try to improve in the back half of the year? Yeah, that improvement is is the big part of it. You know, self-evaluation, those bye weeks give you a chance to really delve into your own film and study what your tendencies are, what your own strengths and weaknesses are. And you don't really get time as much to do that, you know, in a, a typical game week. So that's one of the big values of the bye week. And Campbell didn't really get into too much specifics about where they, you know, want to see improvement other than, you know, get the running game better, get the offense better, and, you know, get better all the way around. But that, that is a big opportunity there for any team, really, with a bye week. You have that extra time to, to take a look at yourself and, and try to find the areas where you can improve. Uh, Cartavius Norton um, played a little bit uh, last time we saw Iowa State. Uh, sounds like he's going to have a much bigger role. With, is that fair to say, Dave, or you're not uh, willing to, or you didn't hear that from, from Campbell uh, necessarily, that Cartavius Norton fans are clamoring for him. Look, I want to see him. I saw enough in the first game of the year that uh, I think there's more there. I uh, certainly had hype coming in. Um, maybe more Cartavius Norton this week. 
It's a possibility. I, I kind of expected to see more uh, of Norton than what we did against Texas, so it's hard to really say. And Jairo Brock, if he's back to or at least close to 100%, uh, which, you know, he's going to be as close to 100% as he's been since the start of the season going into this week. You know, he's he probably is still the presumed starter here, but mm-hmm. uh, it would be, uh, I think, fun to see Norton. And if no other uh, reason than just it would be fun to see what Norton can do a little bit. Uh, you know, fully healthy. He's been banged up, of course. And, you know, if he can go out there and make some things happen uh, for that offense, give him that explosive element that, that the Cyclones really need from the running game, that, that would be a huge step for them. Not that Jairo Brock doesn't give you that, but I think Norton gives you a higher ceiling in, in that regard. But he's still a freshman. You know, you got to take yep. that into account, and, and the injuries play a role in that. So we'll see. I didn't really get the impression that Campbell was indicating that Norton would play a bigger role, but okay. we could see. I think he'll certainly get his chance. We've seen all four running backs at the various times in these games recently, so I, I certainly think he'll get an opportunity, but I think the other guys will too. So Matt Campbell yesterday says uh, the question was posed again about special teams. And he said, quote, that's a lot to put on one person. And we've had a lot of success doing it how we do in the past. When? Because these special teams have not been good for seven years. <laughs> no, they have not. That's, uh, you know, that's some ultimate coach speak right there uh, to talk about success in an area where you've demonstrably have not had uh, really consistent success. So that is, you know, such a tough thing to deal with. And, and the, the, the part that, I guess I would kind of question is, is that the idea that it's a lot to put on one person. You could say the same thing about offense and defense, but you have coordinators in those areas as well, and you have position coaches to help those coordinators. And he also talked yesterday about how, you know, every coach on the team is involved in special teams coaching as well. Well, you could easily have a special teams coordinator and use some of those assistants too as well in, in the special teams uh, game planning and execution. So it, really doesn't make much sense to me at this point that Iowa State doesn't have a good special teams coach unless Matt Campbell went out and tried to find one and just didn't find one he thought would be the right fit. He, he talked about his, you know, having the analyst there a little bit and the feedback he gets. And of course, he, you know, some coach speak there about how, you know, that's really valuable and all that stuff. And, you know, he's got great experience and a lot of insight, but he's not, it, it's an analyst role. It's not a type of coach where he's down there on the field directly working with the athletes and, telling them what, what they need to do. And at this point, it really feels like it couldn't hurt Iowa State to have a guy in that role where you can be on the field working specifically with the special teams. Uh, how did they decide which, uh, and then you probably maybe not know the answer to this, but how did they decide what players are going to be made available? Because yesterday was Zach Ross, uh, who's a backup, been there a long time, Kendall Jackson, walked on, great story. I'm all for the two guys they sent out yesterday. I really am. I think it's great that they were given that opportunity. Like you can trot the same dudes out week after week after week, right? The, the faces of the program. But two guys who played in the CIML, Ross at Dowling um, and Kendall Jackson at Roosevelt, they were the faces of the program that were asked to meet the media yesterday. How did they decide? Because I think um, I liked what they did yesterday. Not saying I want to see it every week, but good for them for making those two kind of uh, guys that normally would fly under the radar uh, uh, come out and answer questions and be the be the uh, the players' representative in stories, uh, in uh, in uh, television pieces, etc. Yeah, specifically with with yesterday's, I'm, I'm not sure if those guys were requested by media members. They certainly have the right to do that, just to ask and say, "Hey, is this guy available? Can we talk to him?" They also have the right to say no, and they also, you know, the folks at Iowa State have the right to say, "Here, here are the guys you're going to get." And they do a good job of finding guys like that, you know, guys with good stories. And then you also had Hunter Decker's out there. You know, you should always 
or at least almost always have your, your quarterback sure. either after a game or during the week out there to answer questions. And uh, one other player, you know, couldn't make it. He was originally on the schedule, but couldn't make it because of a, an academic thing. And you got to, you know, take their uh, schedules into account too when, when deciding those. But it was really neat to talk to those guys a little bit. Uh, with Zach Ross talking about, you know, he had an injury his senior year at Dowling, and that's why he didn't get a lot of looks outside of uh, Iowa State, really. And, you know, his, his work to get back to healthy and, and get now into the starting lineup. And as you mentioned, Kendall Jackson going from preferred walk on now to one of the leaders on that defense came up with a big play you know, over at Iowa in the early season and uh, a guy who is kind of taking that role as a mentor now for the other walk-ons uh, in, in the Iowa State program, which is uh, something I'm sure is very valuable to the Matt Campbell and company. Optimistic? Is that the feeling you're getting out of this team that they're going to get this ship righted? They're going to start winning some of these close games. How did it feel walking away after the press conferences yesterday? Well, we didn't walk away. Actually, uh, Matt Campbell was under the weather, uh, so we actually did these via Zoom. Yesterday, which is a, you know, a very different situation. It's hard to kind of get the vibe of the guys when you're looking at them through a computer screen and then look at them in the eye and, and really hearing, you know, the, the tone of their voice and their facial expressions and all that. But I got the same kind of sense that these guys are, are pretty businesslike. That's generally how they are, at least the guys who do come out to talk to the media, uh, handle themselves, you know, pretty well and not with a lot of uh, emotion. One of the fun things about talking to a guy like Xavier Hutchinson, though, is that he does he brings a little of his personality and, and fun to it. And I got to give him a big shout out for coming out after that Texas game, dropping the yeah. biggest pass of his life, yes, and coming out absolutely. to answer questions after that game. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, so it's a little harder to sense the vibes of this team. But just felt like you know very typical kind of week, kind of business like, and and you know looking forward to. Uh, what's ahead instead of dwelling uh, too much on, on what's in the past. Uh, what, if anything, did you hear about the uh, the secret scrimmage against Creighton this past week? And I guess they got another one coming up. Don't remember who it's against, uh, but uh, the, every every team, every school does it for the most part. What did you hear, if anything, on Creighton, Iowa State, uh, their scrimmage last weekend? I, I haven't heard much. I listened to your uh, conversation with Nick Oson, and he's definitely got the the connections on that one. So I, I, you know, go back to his evaluation, I guess, if you want the real insight there, but I can't tell you much. I just know that, you know, the biggest value you get out of that is that first of all, you're taking on a, a really good team yep. out of Creighton. It's probably going to be, or is top 10 uh, coming into the season. So you can get a lot of, out of that. You can get, you know, a chance to really look at guys going head to head with real life competition and uh, break it down on film and, and do all that. So that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, whatever the coaches take away from that and use to improve their team, that's going to be what really matters. Uh, when it comes to preparing for the season. Dave Sproul, I'm sorry. Yeah, we know you got a busy Saturday before that, a busy Friday playoff for the Little Cyclones. Heading down to Southeast Polk, so it's uh, yeah. number two seed. Oh, that'll be easy. Against, uh, yeah, <laughs> no problem there. 15-seeded uh, Ames going down there. Hey, look, you know, uh, defending state champs, why not start off uh, the, the playoffs with those guys? But uh, it's it's very cool to see Ames get back into the playoffs. They've had a, a terrific season. Although they've struggled with, you know, the top, top teams, the Dowlings, Johnston, and City High are the three losses, and those are all really, Mm -hmm. you know, top-level teams. So it'll certainly be a challenge to go down to Southeast Polk. Although, you know, if nothing else, for me, I'm going to get a chance to get some Claxton's barbecue. So I'm a winner no matter what. Well done. Good stuff, Dave Sproul. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you giving this, uh, throwing a bone to our friends at Claxons. Good stuff. Thank you, Dave. Anytime. Talk to you next week. Anytime. Yep. Take care. Good you to bet. talk to you. Dave Sproul, KSI 1430 on the AM dial. Just real quick, Pat Holberg, mm-hmm. Des Moines ump, uh, has been named one of the World Series umps. He'll be behind the plate for game number two. That's awesome. So he joins 
fellow Des Moines ump, the late Eric Cooper. Mm-hmm. So sad. Can't still believe that um, uh, that he left us when he did. Tim McClellan. Uh, there's another Des Moines ump. Mike Everett. Yes, Mike Everett. Does, does, does he had a World Series? I, I think so. Not bad. Des Moines, Iowa. The cradle uh, of umpires. The cradle of umpires. Absolutely. Uh, good stuff. Way to go, Pat Hoberg. He'll have the plate on Saturday night for game number two. David Kaplan kicks off the second hour of the program. Nick Atha will catch up a report card on the Chiefs at thereby. Trent's picks, Miller and Condon.